Good afternoon, this is Father Toby with your word for today. And I want to share with you um, my gospel, uh, the gospel from yesterday and my uh, reflection on that beautiful story of the encounter between uh, Jesus and Zacchaeus. And so we read from Luke chapter 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was going through the town when a man whose name was Zacchaeus made his appearance. He was one of the senior tax collectors and a wealthy man. He was anxious to see what kind of man Jesus was, but he was too short and could not see him for the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to catch a glimpse of Jesus who was to pass that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and spoke to him. Zacchaeus, come down, hurry, because I must stay at your house today. And he hurried down and welcomed him joyfully. They all complained when they saw what was happening. He has gone to stay at a sinner's house, they said. But Zacchaeus stood his ground and said to the Lord, Look, sir, I am going to give half my property to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody I will pay him back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek out and save what was lost. Now I recently got back from uh, a retreat for priest directors of Radio Maria um, from all around the world in Medjugorje. It was a real uh, time of blessing. Um, now, what I'm going to speak about now was not the most important feature of my trip, and I'll speak more on that another time. But whilst away, I attempted on two occasions to buy a coffee, and on both occasions I was unsuccessful. Now, this wasn't because I'm massively incompetent, um, nor was it because I don't know the Croatian for coffee when I tried in Split Airport, or because I didn't know the Bosnian, Serbian or Croatian when I tried to buy one in Medjugorje itself. As it happens, I don't know any of these languages, but that wasn't the obstacle. Rather, on both occasions, the person behind the bar when I went to pay said, No, please, for you, Father, it is free. This happens a lot less in pubs than I would like. On the second occasion, the free coffee was made more amusing by the fact that I'd just borrowed some money off another priest to buy the coffee, as I hadn't actually come away with any money. And this priest was rather surprised, as Father Andreas, um, for regular listeners may remember our previous priest director, um, Father Andreas was rather surprised when I came back with my coffee and handed him back all of his money. Turns out the Roman collar doesn't attract as much generosity as the Dominican habit. Or, let's be kinder to diocesan priests, let's say that the person behind the bar didn't notice Father Andreas's collar. Now, a free coffee is always lovely, just as a free pint would be. But the point of this homily, in case you're worried, is not to suggest that you uh, buy more coffee or beer for me, though that would be a happy side effect. The point is the kindness of strangers, and in particular, the kindness of strangers recognising what you can or could be and treating you that way without first checking you are that way is powerful. What exactly do I mean by that? Well, I think these people behind the bar 
know what a priest can be, a very real instrument of God's grace, that a priest can be something beautiful and powerful in bringing people into the love of God, that a priest is supposed to be selfless, to make a gift of himself completely and to serve. And they chose to treat me like that by giving something to me, in this case, a coffee. Conversely, priests can be very real obstacles to faith. Charged with manifesting the love of God and serving people, they can become selfish and destructive to those put in their care. But neither of the people behind the bar checked to see which one of these sorts of priests I was. The answer is probably something in between. They just gave me the coffee, smiled and asked for a blessing. I'm not sure they thought much more of it, but I certainly have thought on it much longer than the duration of the coffee. And I've thought on it because it meant much more than 50 cents or a euro saved. When somebody treats you like what you could be or should be, it makes you want to be like that. It makes me want to be a priest, that a person who loves God who loves the gift of the priesthood, it makes me want to be the sort of priest that they deserve. This simple act of generosity, this act of love, loves you into being better. The gift that you receive is a grace. Every gift is a grace. And grace transforms. To recognize the possibility of good in another and to treat them that way is powerful. It's transformative. And I think that's what's going on in the gospel we've just read. Zacchaeus is not the one who is most worthy of hosting Jesus for dinner amongst all the crowds. Far, far from it. Tax collectors were the scum of the earth in Jewish eyes. They were pillaging their own people to enrich a foreign oppressive power, the Romans, and they were fattening their own wallets in the process. And Zacchaeus wasn't a run-of-the-mill tax collector. We're told he was a senior tax collector. The worst of the worst, rather than the creme de la creme. But Jesus doesn't inquire about him before inviting himself to his house. And nor does Jesus obtain a pledge of future good behaviour before he does. But Zacchaeus changes. He undergoes a conversion and it is radical. Jesus does not scold him into being better, does not scare the living daylights out of him, but simply loves, recognizes the potential for good, and loves this into realization. Too often we can think with others, what's the point? They'll never change. But perhaps they never change because our love was supposed to be the agent of change in them. We were supposed to see the possibility of more in them and to love them. But we play it safe and then complain that everything remains the same. But Christian love is bold. It takes risks. It doesn't always play it safe. Because a part of Christian love is the willingness to forgive. It is not a love with conditions because ultimately that is only self-serving and so not real love. Please God, those of you who are married, love the way your spouse makes you feel. But that can't be the only occasion or your only reason for loving them. 
You have to embrace them when they're your cross too. Because the cross and the willingness to endure in it is the revelation of true love. And a love that flees the cross is not worthy of the name love. Another powerful example of this love was given to us on our retreat when we went to the Chinaculo in Medjugorje. The Chinaculo community was founded by an Italian nun, Mother Elvira. She saw the tragedy of lives ravaged by drugs and alcohol, lives with no greater direction than the next hit or binge, and it moved her to do something. Now, the community that she founded, which is now present in dozens of places around the world, has very, very strict rules. Um, once upon a time, she allowed the members to smoke, but then quite quickly she stopped that. Members are asked to give up an enormous amount of freedom on a daily basis in order to be truly free in life. The day is very regimented, fixed times for prayer, and they work very hard manual labor. But importantly, they are free to leave the community at any time. The gate is not locked. But more importantly, they can also return. That you chose to leave the community doesn't have to be the end of the story for you, if you decide to try again. The life they are asked to lead is demanding, but the refusal to give up on the one who leaves, the one who turns his back, that's demanding on those who remain. There's always a part of us that likes to say, well, you had your chance, that like the brother of the prodigal son would not welcome him home. Or maybe, unlike the father, maybe we're too scared of being hurt by what might happen if we were to take this person into our homes again. But as Mother Elvira describes the work of the community, we want to love, not pretending to believe, but truly believing that young people, and even when they have failed, still have a potential that hasn't been ignited. We welcome them as they are. We welcome them in order to love them in their need today without thinking of tomorrow. At the same time, however, we want them to understand that they can do it and have a future. For when things are done with love, passion and will, life can be re rebuilt. We expect all this from them precisely because we love them. It is a love that aims to restore their dignity. They are not old, sick or physically handicapped. They are young men and women who have lost their way and they have the right to find it again to rediscover that their lives have value, that within them is a treasure of goodness, will, strength and love that they must discover and believe in. I'm certain that if you encounter the goodness of the Lord, if someone has loved you in the name of the Lord and shown you the true face of God, this leaves an indelible mark. Sooner or later in life you will return to him, for nowhere else can you find the peace and joy your heart experienced living in his presence. Sometimes, in order for somebody else to begin to believe in themselves, we, first of all, have to take the risk of believing in them.